0: Share that, but the thing that gives me solace is that the vision that I see Joe Biden enacting in this country doesn't hurt me more than the vision than others.
1: Welcome to Ingenious Perspectives. On this podcast, we aim to discuss issues that have loomed over the African-American experience for generations. It's our goal to present these topics, not just from our point of view, but from various research perspectives. We invite you to come shift your paradigms with us today. Um, As always, your co-host, I'm Dominic Speller. I'm Lawrence McCarron. Um, and we're doing it, we're doing it a little different today we, uh, This is going to be our first recording that we've done when We're not face-to-face having a conversation So we're going to um, see how this interaction goes um, Our main goal today is to try to touch on three different pretty major topics um, One being buying black um, It's something that a lot of people have been talking about um, We've been seeing a lot more in the media um, we want to talk about HBCUs, especially from our point of view, as both of us attended um, predominantly white colleges. And then we want to talk about what does the next four years look like? So, right, we're, we are now over a month away from the election. All 50 states have officially declared um, all 50 states and D.C. have officially declared their um, electoral college winner. Um, and now we're just you know, left to the electors to see what they're going to do. So Start with buying black. This was a really major topic. Lawrence wanted to hit, so Lawrence open us up. Yeah. Uh,
0: so, as I'm, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur on a you know a business, and so I'm in the, a lot of these uh, buy black groups on Facebook, and you know, as I kind of you know talk with people, other entrepreneurs, this idea of buying black, you know, comes up all over the place, and it's something that I support. Uh, and you know, in those conversations, a lot of times you end up with talking about other cultures specifically, uh, especially a lot of Middle Eastern uh, cultures and kind of how they, uh, you know, keep their money inside their community. And, And there's this old adage about how, you know, long a dollar stays in a black community, vice the Jewish community or the Asian community or the white community, something to that effect. You know, talking about how, how little time, you know, that dollar spends in comparison to other communities, because in general, Uh, you know, there's not a lot of black businesses out there that um, keep you know the majority of money inside black wallets. Essentially, Um, so you know, thinking about those problems is like kind of a natural next step, at least uh, from my perspective. That kind of comes on is is how do you get that social mobilization to buy black? And we do it every year, every February, uh, every you know when MLK Day uh, comes around, when. you have, like I said, the Black History Month comes around. There's always this, you know, underlying tone of, "Hey, we should support support our community. Let's buy black, buy black." And it's always as this kind of, uh, it's a it's a positive thing in the light of, you know, hey, if you do it, kudos to you. Um, but I there's another question: is should we have negative uh, social pressure to buy black? As in when you don't do it, so somebody look at you and go, Hey, uh what happened? You know, why didn't you support a black community? You know, why didn't you go to the black black owned uh you know, dealership when you bought that car? You know, something in that effect. Mm-hmm. So and that's that's the kind of the, the
1: question I have mulling around in my head. So to add to that, the first thing I'm going to toss in is that um, the ODU Black Alumni Chapter this year, as part of our spirit week, had a virtual black business pop up. Right. 2020 COVID has has completely changed social interaction um, and the way we're able to um, to do things as a society, not just as a black culture, but as an American society, it's completely changed. Um, the landscape of our social interactions. And so, that virtual black business pop up that the um, black alumni chapter put together from ODU was this opportunity for um, everybody to get onto a, a Zoom meeting and lots of different black businesses to present what it is they have and what it is they do. One of the things I saw there was overlap. Um, there was quite a bit of overlap with regard to mental health in black businesses, whether it was being approached from um, a spiritual aspect. There was um, a lady, I believe, goddess of Creole who was there, or it was being approached from um, like yoga and spiritual health or just straight mental health. Like, hey, this is a we were a mental health practice, right? We're just a black owned mental health practice. There was um, a lot of overlap on that. Um, And it was just something I noticed. It could have been a one off thing, but it was it was something that I noticed in a black business pop up that there was there was a significant degree of overlap in those black businesses with regard to mental health. Now, onto what Lawrence was saying. Um, I don't know about negative. Right. And if we do say that we start to have some type of negative pushback for not buying black, do we limit it to black? Is it black and brown? Like what? You know, at, at what point does the pushback start? So I didn't go to a black owned business, but I went to a Dominican business, you know, like, am I, is it, is it still, am I still going outside the community in that, in that sense? Like where, so if we're going to create a negative pushback, we need parameters for, for when we start pushing back. Like at what point is it, is it okay for me to not buy black?
0: Yeah. I, I think that uh, ultimately these things are so these things are kind of natural, intentional in their formation, but natural in their evolution. So like if you go to these other communities that have these sort of um, negative feedback loops uh, and negative pressure, like, you know, there there wasn't someone in a master castle somewhere that said, hey, thou shalt only spend money here. But okay. it, it kind of evolved over time that, you know, as these places, uh, these communities um, became transplant communities and so they're, you know, in, america but that's they're not um you know they, they're not a, an american culture if you will um right. they kind of had the uh the reflex of support your own and then they had a strong inst- you know kind of institutional culture that kind of said hey support your own means you know when your cousin has a business you go to that business first and it so it, it was kind of around it's around the family unit around the nationality and so you know it's way different to try to apply that model to African-Americans in the diaspora in general, just because, you know, we don't have, uh, you know, we're talking about a much larger community in general, we're talking about 13% of the, you know, the population of America, that's a huge community. And then we don't have the same connectivity within that community. So it is a lot of weird things that apply, but you're right. In general, there will be pushback to any negative pressure. I mean, look at- So,
1: well, I guess what I wanted, what is the, so- If there's responsibility of consumers to buy black, there should also in turn be a responsibility of businesses to reinvest that money into black communities. Because for me, and this is just in my head, when I'm hearing buy black, buy black, I'm supporting a black business because that black business is going to support my black community, which is going to help develop more black businesses or at least more black leaders because they're going to reinvest the money that I gave to them. Into the community. So, for me, what is the purpose of buying from this black wholesaler if he's going to do the same thing with his money that the white wholesaler is doing and not providing me? Right. So, I'll, I understand that a black business wouldn't have access to the same marketing streams, wouldn't have access to the same supply streams that a large white business would have. So, I'm going to pay more for buying black and I'm okay with that. But at the same time, I have an expectation that they funnel that money some part of it back into the community and if that's not the case why should i spend more money on this black business
0: yeah and and that's why about it is all of it's all about community based things because if you're you know spending your you know your dollars on a black owned business that's you know similar to any other business you encounter um you know that it's hit or miss like you're saying like i you're not know, going to be you know you know buying uh, a some Something from a black owned company that has actually no no feet in any community exactly. and is not doing any work at all. Exactly. And there's no assurances just by the color of the person's
1: skin right. that they're doing. And we don't that. like to talk about but, it. But I can point to exact, you know, we can all point to how much money Microsoft gives back in their scholarships. We can all point to how much money Starbucks and McDonald's give in employee scholarships. Like, and these aren't black owned businesses. So, You know what I'm saying? What is the to me? What is the negative impact of saying, okay, you don't want me to give my money to this business who I can look at at least a decade of them giving either back to their employees or back to the community in some way? What are you doing to earn that? It's scale. So one,
0: you know, Starbucks and Microsoft. I agree.
1: It won't be the same scale. I'm with you.
0: Well, no, no. Well, I was going to say is that they're. Microsoft and Starbucks, you know how much they give because they're because they're listed on the um, uh, because it the, there's regulation laws that say they have to disclose that right. Um, and when you go to the mom and pop, there's no regulation or thing that says they need to disclose how much they you know charitable contributions. So that's kind of how we know. And then they have you know this their scale lines up with tax incentives and other things that require them. Again, if they're stewards of their you know of their, of all the, you know, revenue they have, they're going to give a lot of money to charity because that's how you, you know, get the best tax incentives and stuff like that. But, uh, flip side, you know, you know, I get the core of your argument and I get, I get it is the, that what, you know, based on the color of someone's skin, what tells me that they're going to be an advocate for my community. And that's why when you buy black, you should buy black within your community. So, you know, those owners and you know, the people operating in there. Um, but then so that's that's when you're buying like, uh, you know, I don't want to overgeneralize goods, but when you're buying clothes or when you're buying uh, that, you know, that lotion or when you're buying basically things that are low uh, capital input requirements to enter those markets. OK, those kind of products, like if I don't need to have, you know, 10 million dollars upfront to enter this market, then you should be buying your community. However, when you're talking about banking. Or you're talking about energy, or you're talking about um, you know these stock, you know these uh, tech companies. If you can get black owned there, then I think e- all things uh, equal, you should default to black owned. But how do you get black
1: our do you, Like let's just talk about one of the ones you mentioned, energy. How do you yeah. how how would a black group conglomerate person anything? even buy into the energy market because that's not just something where I say, all right, well, we all pool our money together and let's go ahead and build this nuclear plant. Like I got to go, through- <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I got to go right. through DOE. Plus, I still have to have a market. So even if, right, we'll take your knowledge. So we bring you on as this nuke engineer who's got experience in the field, who's done in the Navy, who knows all about safety precautions. Cool. So we've got your knowledge. We take my knowledge. We take a couple other black nukes. We have everything we need. We say we want to do this. How do we even get – how do we compete with something like Dominion Power? How would you compete with something like Duke Energy in the triangle? Like, those are – there are certain things where I feel like we have this ceiling and I don't even see a way forward to to push through that ceiling.
0: So uh, the what you just illustrated is exactly why we have to buy black. Uh, and and, you know, as a, a minority community, that is, has been historically you know cut off from the economic growth of this nation. Um, we weren't at the table. Right when it was time to pick board of electors for for TVA Tennessee Valley Authority and other companies like utilities like that, exactly. So by creating millionaires in these other industries, you know, your lotions, your liquor companies, your you know your clothing lines, then you're leveraging other folks, you know those owners us to buy stakes in other things because the beautiful thing about this country now is that it is free so long as you got the dollars so if you got the dollars you can buy into the you know these, these things you can buy into the utilities you can buy into the things and then eventually you get a situation where uh you know to look at an, an exceptional individual you get a shaquille o'neal who is now the you know on the board of you know little caesars just, and you know all the specifics that. aside with that specific case right because right that was it's the a, reason that happened
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh i think it wasn't Lil little Caesars, but papa, papa johns yeah yeah i just um, feel like we're playing g league ball sometimes and we're talking we are. about and we're talking about you know professionals because the so you take you take somebody like a like a jeff bezos right you take somebody like a bill gates hell you take the list of the four like uh, it's been a minute and I'll, I'll pull it up again. But when I looked up the richest people in America, it wasn't a black person on the list till down into the late teens. And the amount of money that person had compared to the top 10, compared to the top five on that list, it was a joke. It was, it was an absolute joke. And yeah, so, but the, the answer
0: you- to that is not to stop. Okay. I mean, what, uh, is, is that kind of, uh, and is that almost like a sense of futility that you read it into really, that? When you it get really there? does
1: feel like that when you have a single person whose whose net worth is is some other country's GDP, right? And we're talking about, oh, Oprah got her one billion. Like that one billion does not matter on the scale of what these other large white businesses are doing. It's it's a it 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 it's crazy to say that from our perspective, but when you look at she's not even top 20. I don't think she's top 30. Like her one, and and this is just in our country. That 1 billion is like, all right, well, you know, that's great. That's dope.
0: Yeah. So I think, so the, the cool thing about it is, is first is it's the millionaires are billionaires and your billionaires, et cetera, are a good measure sometimes, but they're not the goal. You know, it's not about creating another, creating a black Jeff Bezos. Okay, It's, it's about closing those gaps, you know, that we talked about in the past, you know, in other episodes. These, you know, outcomes in me- medicine, outcomes in education, so that in general, every black person is in, on average, just as well off of as 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 the majority, um, you know, in this country. That's that's really the goal. I mean, I think that the billionaires and et cetera are a good signifier of that.
1: I just so it's definitely something to pay attention to. You're absolutely right. I just don't um, see a way to but close that gap without us having wealth control at the top. Like to me, that that is what that is what is controlling the gap. They so the people at the top are creating millionaires and they're picking yes. and choosing, hand picking and choosing who's going to be the next millionaire based on where they put their money. And we have no say in that top bracket, you know, like we're, we're just down here hoping to be the next person picked, but we have to get to a point where we're doing the picking. You know what I'm
0: saying? And that's, and that's what I, that's what I think. Uh, That's why I brought this question because I really think uh, when you think about it, you know, what motivates you, right? What motivates individuals, what motivates society, People respond a lot more to negative pressure than they do positive pressure. That's, I think, the end of the day, because if you look at obesity rates in this country, as an example, right, it was acceptable at a time. And I'm not saying we should go back to this in any way, shape or form, but there was acceptable at a time. That if someone was obese, you made fun of them.
1: Yeah.
0: And just the, just the mere fact of them being obese. I
1: mean, we've, was, we've was... talked about that before. There was a certain level, and it's not it's not something that people like to talk about, but there's a, there was a certain level of bullying through school, at least when we were growing up, right? Before, right. before people were on Facebook and, and right, because, you know, I graduated high school in 2004. So we're talking about a really long time ago. But there was a certain level of bullying that was a, a social adjustment. It taught you that you need to brush your teeth because kids are going to make fun of you. It taught you that you need to put lotion on, right? It taught you that you need to shower so you don't smell like crap, right? There was a, it was a social adjustment level to the bullying, not just this outright. It's a, a lot of what we see today. Just people, <laughs> they got nothing better to do when they just they just sit behind their keyboards and bully. But what what you're yeah. saying, I get what you're saying. So you're you're looking for. Bullying is a, I don't know any other word to use, but right, this um, negative. So so you want a positive punishment for when people are not buying black. You want to instill some type of some type of positive punishment when people are not um, putting their money back into the black community. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you look at the environmental
0: move, uh, movement right now, there is kind of an, an effort to kind of do that. They're, you know, they're. They're publicly uh, shaming companies and institutions that invest in fossil fuels and saying, hey, you're not looking out for our future. You got all this money. And companies are responding to that by saying, you know, hey, you know, we're going to look at our investment portfolio and make sure that we have no we're not. There's no fossil fuels in there. Um, And or if you look at the big inroads we're making into some of the kind of uh, social justice things, you know, if you have a recording of yourself on uh youtube or, or etc using some racial slur or some homophobic slur or something like that the
1: the the you know the cancel warriors will come out and, and bring the, that's that the up problem and, and to me we need more control over it because i don't like the cancel culture if you don't if you don't like i don't and says then <laughs> don't support them don't invest your money but this push, like, oh, we're going to get this person fired from this movie. We're going to make sure this person can't host this event. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. You don't like that person, then then don't support them. Don't spend your money on them. This idea of trying to destroy people's livelihood because they said something that you didn't like, that, that's mind-blowing to me. That is absolutely mind-blowing, and I, I can't stand yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think it's yeah. overreach. I think it's I think overreach.
0: But I'm looking, I'm learning from the techniques. I'm looking at the technique. I'm thinking, okay, you can, you could apply some measure of that to some benefit, you know, like, you know, going back to the obesity thing, you know, it, uh, and and there are other factors, right? right? So, you know, I'm not saying that it was just social pressure, right? Our foods have way more sugar in them than they did back in the day and a a million other things. But um, there was an aspect that, you know, you didn't want to, you didn't want to get bullied. So you didn't. You right. didn't overeat, or you you didn't exercise, right. whatever it was. Um, but the the outcome was better health outcomes. Mm. You know, so like maybe the benefits worth the cost. You know, I I think the idea of us closing the gap, having more millionaires, so we can eventually have more billionaires, and having more billionaires that are selected and creating more millionaires, and in and, and through that entire process, we're creating and and in spreading like wildfire six figure
1: salaries throughout the black community. Like I think it's that runaway is a uh, train. I really know. do. I think it's a runaway train and yeah. that, and, in, in the, and the, um, and the idea that it's going to be one of those things, like so many things in the world that was, uh, the idea of it was, was this great idea that we're going to use to make society better. And I think it's going to be taken and manipulated, um, in a negative way that's that's going to hurt i i i just in my head right now just in my head i'm seeing that it leaves the control of the black community um and that it becomes this thing that other races are using to impose on black consumers right what they're allowed to buy that now other companies are creating these black figureheads in front of their companies so that Other so that the black community will support. No, you didn't buy from this business. Lowe's, for example. Lowe's isn't a black owned business, but Lowe's happens to have a black CEO. So, you know, it's going to be this thing where Lowe, why did you buy from Home Depot instead of Lowe's? Aren't you black? Our CEO's black, you know, like, yeah, we're not a black owned business, but hey, we got this black dude in the front. Why aren't you buying from us? I just feel like it's going to leave us and and become this almost torturous thing that big business is using to control where black consumers are putting their money.
0: The, if we do it the wrong way, it, it'll be like that. So if it's like a mass motion and I don't want to call, and I'm not trying to call out negative things here, but uh, if it's a move, a social movement in the same way that hashtag black lives right. matter was or is, then we will lose it. And and, and I, I call out them a little bit because as I'm reading uh, Alicia Garza's um, book on, you know, it kind of has a little bit of the found, uh, foundational history of okay. Black Lives Matter. Um, they very intentionally made this a uh, a organization that had
1: right. many,
0: many leaders. Right. It wasn't leaderless. It just had okay. many, many leaders. And they intentionally did that because they were looking back in the, uh, you know, at the uh, our civil our rights era, what yeah. happened. Yeah. Yeah, they kill yeah. our leaders. They target them. And so if you have a thousand leaders, you know, Work. it's hard to do that. Anyway, so the they intentionally did that. But that model, you don't have any control. And so there were a lot of people running around doing a lot of different things under the, you know, the banner of Black Lives Matter who had no affiliation and no, uh, you know, coordination with the larger movement. And so that's why, you know, circling back all the way around to the beginning of this podcast is institutions sure. <laughs> you know so we go all the way back if we if we do it through our institutions making our institutions stronger leveraging those institutions to say hey it's not it's not just oh go buy black it's you know our church banks with you know one you
1: know what is it uh what's the, the new there's, church the new Green bank Green that came Wood out and one recently. united i want to say greenwood is yep, the one united one the newer ones but both of those came out recently
0: yeah. Yeah, one united. You know, this congregation banks yeah. for one united. And you know, hey, uh, I, I noticed that you you got a Bank of America card right there. Um, <laughs> you know, that kind of pressure. <laughs> you know, uh you know, that kind of pressure. If we have that. You know, and but and let's, not let's take bold. that. Let's take
1: that. All right. So you you mentioned institutions, right? One of the major institutions we talked about was education. And I think that's a good point to segue into HBCUs. And here's yes. my biggest thing about HBCUs. I have had this conversation with more than one HBCU attendee where I asked, hey, um, I didn't go to an HBCU, right? When I when I made my choice of child college, I chose a white college. And then when the Navy gave me my choice of college, there weren't black college options. So again, I went to a white college. Um, but... I want to support HBCUs. Right. My mother went to an HBCU and most of my dad's side of family went local to Norfolk State. Right. Um, And there's just I grew up across the street from an HBCU. I love them. Right. I got love for them. I just made a different choice with my life. And the question I keep asking HBCU attendees is right. I want to support your school. So if I not like go to Joe Smuck's truck out back and buy this Norfolk State T-shirt, but I go to your school bookstore or I go to your school's website and order paraphernalia from your school, you know, and I want to wear that to support your, your school, to support what HBCUs are doing. And I get this pushback like, nah, homie, you did. You front. You didn't go to an HBCU. You can't ride out like, sorry, you don't get to behold the green and gold. And I'm like, all right, well okay <laughs> like all right well, I guess I'll keep putting my money in the o d u like what you want for me, man, like I'm trying to support y'all
0: exactly uh, i don't i don't know that's tough that's, that's a tough call right there i i'm I don't rock the HBCU memorabilia because that, you know, I didn't go right to right, one. which is why I don't.
1: But then on the other hand, when um so it's a bad example now, right? History has shown us that this is a bad example to use. But the point of the matter is when Bill Cosby was rocking all his HBCU stuff when he was doing Cosby show, everybody was happy and jumping up and down. You know, this man wrote Different World, which is supposed to be based on Hampton, and he didn't attend the HBCU the first. And everybody's jumping up and down and all happy. And they're like, look at all this pride he's putting in the HBCUs. And he didn't go. Or fast forward now, is it Chris Paul, who's who, while he was in the bubble, was wearing different HBCU paraphernalia and HBCU grads are like, hey, when you going to shout out my school? My man went to Wake Forest. That's not HBCU at all, even a little bit like Wake Forest is not an HBCU. So, nah, no, not even in this life. No. <laughs> so, you know, what I'm saying so I guess my thing is, why is it OK for them? Like, because they're famous and they have a bigger platform. My money is the same money. I'm still spending my whatever, $30 on your overpriced T-shirt. Like, why can't I support y'all? And I don't I, I mean, I, I've never I've never understood that.
0: It's it's in group. It's in group, man. You know, they your folks go out and they have a shared experience and they want to, you know, be able to go out to the Walmart or Target or wherever they're at, see the shirt and go, hey, man, 2015 class. Oh, wait, no, I didn't go. Yeah, but Chris, oh. Paul, <laughs> Chris Paul didn't have
1: that experience. Bill Cosby didn't have that experience. Neither yeah. of them. And, 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 people, and people are hyped, you know. Like neither of them had that experience. They one of the one of the one of the sororities from the Divine Nine asked former first lady Michelle Obama to be an honorary member. They was just gonna give it to her. She ain't have the experience. She wasn't on line with nobody. She didn't do any of that. And they were just gonna hand it off to her. Like, hey, you an honorary member now. Like, I don't get that. Is it because you're famous now you can support me? Because you're famous, you get to front like you had the experience even though you didn't have it? Like, that's to me, that's bullshit. That's more fronting than me putting on the HBCU stuff because you pick and choose who you want to endorse you. You like pick and choose who you want to act like they were part of the experience even though they weren't. I'm not trying to act like I'm part of the experience, I just want people to pay attention to HBCUs because it. So my experience was that when I went to ODU and somebody went to Norfolk State and we got the same degree and we got the same GPA, they looked at me like I knew more. And that's not true. That's BS to me. So I want the I want the image. I want the the opinion of HBCUs to come up to the point where somebody does come up and say, hey, I can't just go to Norfolk State and my degree will receive the same respect as if somebody went to ODU. And that's why I chose the school I chose, because I didn't feel like my degree was going to get any respect if I went to Norfolk State. And that I think that choice should be given. Right. It should. And that's the only reason I want to support them. But HBCU grads are all mad at me because I went to a white school. Like, homie, we made choices, all right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Yeah, I
0: mean, especially if you're uh if you're in a STEM field, uh your your ch- your choices for HBCU, if you want to be like an engineer, you wanna be uh in sciences, um, you know, are somewhat limited. Uh especially if you you know if you're looking at ranked schools and all that kind of stuff by like national based uh, ranking ranking oh one hundred institution it's tough
1: super limited it's tough it's super limited and,
0: you know and I you know and and it's hard you know a uh, science a STEM field degree programs cost money as they are not easy you know if you want to teach somebody uh, social you know social sciences all you need is a couple books a couple computers but you know those labs cost money right. You know, and, and all that kind of stuff. Now, if you really want to be really good about it, like uh, my alma mater, NC State, uh, you know, you make your engineering department make money for you.
1: Mm-hmm. And um, you have your own reactor.
0: That takes <laughs> Right. You have a reactor on campus. You so make a lot of money. It. Yeah. Uh, but that takes a lot of money to get to that point.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: A lot Agreed. of money, a lot of investments. Agreed. and we're seeing funding for HBCUs, you know, hit an all-time low. True. Uh, funding for you know, universities in general, from especially from states, state sources, are all-time low. Right, so, yeah. we, we got to make a turnaround we, on that.
1: What we saw with COVID is that these are just football programs that happen to give degrees. Like that's what COVID taught us is that they're they're not even universities anymore. It's just it's a huge football program, and they give out degrees on the side.
0: Yeah, and yeah, that's 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 unfortunate. So. I think rocking the shirts, uh, especially for folks in media and things like that, is a is a benefit. It kind of wakes awareness. They're, I'm, you know, I'm in a primarily, uh, you know, white um, workplace work environment. HP, that word HBCU, like we use that, like everyone knows what that is. That's another and, t-
1: that I guess that's also true. A lot of people don't even know about HBCUs and and going back to the Freedmen's Bureau and how they founded. You know, like this. All that stuff matters. But yeah. Yeah. And so
0: I, I think I think those naysayers, I, I say duh, we should stop listening to them. I say we rock rock the colors, rock the colors. Yeah, but uh, then that goes back you know, to her.
1: that goes back to exactly what you were talking about. They're giving us a negative punishment or a positive punishment, right? For wearing um hbcu paraphernalia they didn't feel like we earned the right to wear and in the same we just had a conversation about you know enforcing some type of positive punishment when people aren't buying black so if the community and the culture is making determinations for you know what's acceptable and what's not acceptable and based on whatever crazy standards they got is not acceptable for us to wear their stuff when we didn't go there like by ignoring that, are we not ignoring the 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 thing that we're trying to create to force people to buy black? I would
0: ask, what is the institution saying?
1: Okay, and I I, I would yeah, I, I know mean, yeah, no HBCU is going to tell you not to spend your money with them. No college anywhere is going to tell you not yeah. to spend your money with them. So.
0: Otherwise, they'd be checking student IDs <laughs> <from the bookstore.
1: laughs> you know. uh, Please, please upload a, a copy of your student ID before you purchase t-shirts right. from our bookstore. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Ooh. So I'm,
0: I think I think I'm a I'm a term I turn my opinion around because like, you know what I, you know I was I was in the beginning of this conversation 100 percent was hey I didn't go there I'm not gonna rock it yeah but like. The thing is, we, we got to turn that tide, and especially we got a VP, Vice President, that's uh you know HBCU
1: graduate. Come on now, yeah,
0: it's a new, it's a new day.
1: <clears throat> I agree. I mean, it's a it's a huge deal. Her her being in office, and I'm still saying this, Kamala Harris 2021. Which again, man, you killing the game with the segues. All right, so <laughs> you killing the game with the segues today, man. You killing it. All right, Kamala Harris 2021. What happens next four years, man? What is what is this? So, all right, we'll 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 backtrack and give a brief summary, at least right from from our opinion of uh, of what's happened in the last month. So election night. Right. There were no solutions. We didn't know anything. You know, election night happened and we were all just kind of sitting there like, all right, well, guess we'll see in the morning. And Wednesday morning happened. And we were like, "All right, I guess we'll find out Thursday." And this happens every day, all the way until Saturday, when there had been enough votes tallied to say that um, President Elect Joseph Biden, you know, did in fact earn that title, President Elect. He had gotten his two seventy. Um, and then the craziness ensued of the craziness, of yeah. the lack of validity of our elections, of um, ballots being thrown out of illegal votes and all sorts of stuff, right? Um the board, who was it? Was it our was it our Department of Justice that said this has been the most secure election in American history? And this isn't new. Yeah, right? Like been, I don't uh, want people to feel like this is a Trump thing. The election of Abraham Lincoln was challenged. The election of President JFK was challenged. Like these aren't new things in history where not even modern history, right? It's not new. To hear um, the losing side challenge the validity of the election, so not to say that like you know Trump's not all bad, but four or five is not the first to do it, right? This isn't the first time this no. has happened. Um,
0: but just like everything
1: in the Trump world, it's 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 a little different. It's exactly. You know, when, he, exactly when, he, when it's a little more showy. It's ex- exactly because he's exactly. an entertainer, and I think that's what people often forget about our current president is that he's an entertainer. That's what. That's why people started to learn who he was in his face because, yeah, sure, he's a businessman, but being a businessman is just like being a producer. If I don't scream, you know, we the best DJ Khaled on the front of the track, then you don't know me any better than you know anybody else. So he went from that just that businessman to, yo, let me get this cameo in Home Alone to, you know, let me get this TV show going. And he became an entertainer. And so what he's doing yes. is what he's been training to do for the last over a decade, which is entertaining, which is turn everything into a show. And, you know, he's doing that even more so now because this, this season of his show is about to be over. Like, this is... He's, yeah, <laughs> so he, he's setting up. And so and I think... So I've been hearing this a lot as I'm, I'm looking
0: through the coverage of it, listening to the journalists, the folks that specialize in this. And they're, they're basically saying that he's setting the stage for exiting so that he can always look back and go, no, I didn't lose. I won, but they stole it from me.
1: Well, this is why you should continue to invite me on Fox News. And this is why you should elect me for 2024. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what he does or doesn't do for the rest of his life. This man served four years without being removed from office, which still makes him better than Nixon. So this man... Donald J. Trump is forever a part of American history. When when buildings have burned down and people forget everything else, he is forever the forty fifth president. His picture will hang in the White House. He will get a statue in Presidents Park. His name is forever a part of American history. Which so
0: so, and that's that's a, that's a. A complex thought because what I'm there's something that, uh, that I'm seeing a lot, especially in the like kind of left leaning circles, is this kind of idea notion of uh, of forgiveness and not forgiveness, like the idea that like those people who supported Trump did something disastrously wrong to this country, Mm -hmm. and we should, you know, we should or should not, you know, forgive them and move on. As you know, some people are saying, hey, those people, you know, you should be kind of like every person who stood up and and declared allegiance to trumpism should be carved out
1: from the government as as Layers. a petty and vindictive person yeah i'm about it like reconstruction on these people you know bow your faces low and beg for our forgiveness in new america but as a person who understands um how you know society works that that's that's a horrible way forward that's absolutely the worst yeah, way
0: yeah and that's generally that's generally exactly where the conversation falls. Those folks who are, you know, emotional about their politics are like, you know, not, nah. yeah. you know, hey, Lindsey Graham, you got red in the face defending Kavanaugh because you are, you know, you are a, a roll dog Trump supporter. Mm-hmm. Lindsey, you got to hold that on. And so everything you say from hence on forward uh, is going to be compared to to everything all the you know all the things you did during the trump years yeah uh you know like there's that sentiment and then there's like hey you know you were your political animal and you know you were aligning with the winds exactly. of the day just like they're soldiers they're they're
1: at the end of the day politicians are soldiers who are aligned to the country of their political party right And in 200 years, when um, somebody decides to punish America for the myriad of wrongs that have been done, do we now posthumously say that, you know, all these military leaders, you and me, you know, we're, we're villains now, we're terrorists now? And that and that whatever whatever good had been bestowed upon us for faithfully serving our duties to this country should now be removed because it turns out our country was wrong. Like, do we do that or do we accept and say, hey, this is the side that they were on, they're Republicans, and it makes perfect sense. If, you got, if you're in the, on that side, and you got the White House, and you got the Senate, and you have the opportunity to take the Supreme Court, you take it. Like, this is, politics is a game of chess, and they had a way to get a pawn to the other side of the board and make it a queen. What am I supposed to say? Oh, uh, you know, we've been stomping you kind of bad this game, I'm going to let you ride. Like, no, it's a win. Patriots run the score up like Republicans took everything they could take. Like, that's that's how you play the game. So I can't I can't see being mad at a single Republican person or, you know, if it was the other way, being mad at a single Democratic person like they had the opportunity to win and they took the W. And over these next four years, when the Democrats see their opportunities to take W's, they're going to do their best to take them. And it's like you mentioned before, the pendulum is just, this is, the pendulum has been swinging in this country for over 200 years. You can go all the way back to Federalists and Anti Federalists. Like, this is just how it goes. When one party takes power, the other party suffers. And this is why, in the farewell address, our first president told us to get rid of political parties. Like, don't do this. This is a bad idea. And we're seeing the results of that some 200 years later.
0: Yeah. And I, I, if, as far as you know the next four years go I have absolutely zero confidence that we're gonna see a dampening of that pendulum swinging
1: you know because that because that's what have you're confidence talking about that we're gonna see anything that's gonna be beneficial like here's here as bluntly as I can put it we went from one 70 plus racist white man who has perverted connections and has been accused of a lot of uh sexually depraved things to a different 70 plus racist white man who has perverted connections and has been accused of sexually depraved things like what is the difference why why is any white man in america upset right now you just went from one white dude to another y'all still got it like what are you complaining about
0: there's, there's degrees here I mean, there's ample degrees here. Yeah, we're talking about.
1: To me, me, the ample degrees is that Joe Biden has shown us who he is. I don't understand the trust for him from Black America. We've seen who he is for years and years, from when he opposed busing and the desegregation of schools to when he put forward a crime bill that was arguably the most detrimental thing to African American society in the modern era. Like, why? where does this faith come from that people believe this is some brand new man
0: it's it comes from picking your battlefield and i i think uh i'm thinking cuz i i was not you know when joe biden got the nomination or when it when the stars started to align and look like that i was not i was not excited nor uh whatever with him because of all the things you're saying but when it comes down to Joe Biden versus President Trump. Um, I don't. I don't have. I don't. I don't waste a second between choosing A or B. I mean, now, whether or not there's a C or whatever, that's a whole. Right. That took me a true, lot longer. True, but between A or B,
1: I it's easy. I think Joe Biden is scarier as president than Donald Trump because Joe Biden actually knows how to play the political game and keep his mouth shut and reach across the aisle and manipulate both sides to get things done that President Trump would have never been able to get done to me the intelligent the intelligent viper the intelligent quiet viper is far scarier than that loud tiger is way scarier
0: I, I, I share that but the thing that gives me solace is that the vision that I see Joe Biden enacting in this country doesn't hurt me more than the vision than others. I can
1: can take that. I can, I can 100% see that. I just, I guess my worry is that my worry is that he's not, he's not as different as he's been advertising himself. I don't have the faith that Joe Biden is this changed man who now sees the error of his ways. What I have faith in is that Joe Biden is a politician who knew what he needed to say in order to get the black vote,
0: and that's so I think that's the worst case scenario. Worst case scenario, he doesn't lift the finger for the black community, uh, and he goes on by his day. But and and even in that environment, I'm a, I, I prefer that environment than the last four years because. There was some. There was not stuff being intentionally done to us right. at the yeah, national I mean, level.
1: Yeah, you can't. So I can't argue with you there. Is it Biden or Trump? Right? Is that really a debate? Is that really a discussion? Right. No. And, but there, no. and there's That's a large,
0: there's a large part of the black community who was troubled by that decision, or who came up with what I think is the, not say wrong decision, but this is not a decision that I would have made. There's a lot of people who who align themselves with President Trump, and.
1: But you know, for whatever now, reason he I'm was feeling. I'm them. not gonna say I don't think I don't think the black community aligned with Trump because he had any appeal. I think the black community aligned with Trump so and I think this is the best analogy that I, I'm gonna be able to come up with. And I don't even I don't even think this is really all that great. Trump was there not protecting African Americans, not saying anything for the myriad of black people who had died, and right there it's just all sorts of issues and Trump just kind of he was like, well, sucks to suck. Conversely, you have Joe Biden, who has actively placed the gun and laws in the hands of law enforcement that have been the reason that so many black people have died.
0: I mean, so we can't get you know blinded by hindsight here, because in the day that the 94 crime bill was passed, you had several uh large black institutions supporting those moves
1: and, so, and like, those large black institutions including the NAACP who supported it should not go unscathed either
0: absolutely but so I, I want to just give I just want to give that a little bit of context because it's it's not that you know in the same way that you know uh Jim Crow would have you know would have signed the 94 crime bill that Joe Biden publishes and ultimately votes for the 94 crime bill. I, I think that it is important to say intent there, even okay. though the outcomes are the same, I can, because that person we're talking about dragging that person, you know, you know, now to 2020 and saying, okay, what do, are they going do do to do?
1: Do you honestly believe that he had no inkling of the, of the eventuality of that crime bill? You think he didn't see any of this? You think he saw none of I, it?
0: No, I think he saw. So I think his his apologies and his uh, you know claim of ignorance are completely false. I I I don't I don't think he knew all the implications because a big part of the crime bill was more just signal sending to the states. So no, I don't think he knew what all the states would do in response to it because most of the states came up with very similar laws. That's that's fair. I can
1: allow that, but I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't think he's not and I don't think he's stupid and that's the, to me that's the part of that because you can't say to you can't say as Joe Biden that I'm going to do all these things and 20 plus years from now they're going to have this great impact on the community but then on the other hand say well when I did this one thing I didn't know about the impact it was going to have on the community So how are you all of a sudden so great at predicting societal impact now? Like yeah, what I if, mean, why in the same so way. Good at it now. We, I think right, he knew the not, whole time. I think. He,
0: yeah, I, I think he knew the whole time. But I think, I think he. So I think his understanding of the world was also different then too. Like as as a lot of people's were. You know, you have um you know Hillary Clinton talking about super predators and sh- and stuff like that right. at the time. Okay. That was. Yeah. You know, at the time, that wasn't a, a controversial thing. People weren't going oh, super predators. They're going, oh yeah, that was kind of super predators. Yeah, That makes sense.
1: You know, like yeah. so well, it, it was the, the problem though is is that also even that idea of super predators was completely misconstrued because soci- it was
0: misconstrued in life. Like, in
1: sociology, yeah. we talked. About, we we do specifically talk about. um In we talked what was it like late nineties, early two thousands. We talked about mm-hmm. super males but it was it was an xyy super male it was a a, this genetic defect where um scientists at the time believed that there were men born with an extra y chromosome that made them more aggressive and more likely to become predators not an environmental thing it was it was a literal genetic defect slash mutation that was creating these xyy super males and it was just twisted into this idea that society is now giving birth to these, you know, these super predators. It's like, hey, no, what? He was born in a black neighborhood with a single parent. Oh, man, this dude, he's going to be a super predator. And it's like, no, yeah. that's not what sociologists were telling you, like, at all. It's not what they were saying. But sure, your thing. You yeah. Go with your thing. I mean,
0: Hillary Clinton is, is a. She's problematic, but in that particular thing, she's following a long tradition of popular culture twisting science into weird stuff to to justify their preconceived notions. You look at eugenics; like, I mean, that's literally what that's literally you know that the evolution of eugenics uh, is exactly kind of what you know through a much smaller scale with the ninety four crime bill. You know, the genesis of that, the thoughts behind that is, but like ultimately you know, coming back to 2020 here today, like, I know that there's going to be concrete gains from having a, you know, a Biden presidency, vice or Trump presidency. Like, for example, I can point to consent decrees, you know, the Justice Department literally during the Obama years, and I can't get, you know, not giving Joe Biden pre- credit for the Obama years, sure. but I know that, you know, the, the people he's going to put in, in, in play here are going to be of the same mind as the, the folks during the Obama years, but we we forced police departments across the country to agree to these measures that would, you know, close the racial gap, would result in fewer shootings and fewer deaths yeah, and all we, these other things. We've
1: done all that with Trump and all this.
0: Like that. No, we haven't. We had zero so well, I'm saying for, the, specifically so for within, consent degree. Within
1: well, okay. But within the last within the within twenty twenty, right? How many cities, states, have passed reform bills that had nothing? Those things, to me, are the things that are why we focus on midterm elections. Those things are why we focus on local elections, because Biden, Trump, President Obama, Bush, Clinton, whoever it is in the future, has little to no impact on the types of laws that we're passing on state level to prevent these types of horrible tragedies from happening
0: yeah so i agree so i agree and disagree right because like there's it's a complex picture if i'm governor umptish crunch right and i have dreams of grandeur i need to have the democratic party if i'm a democrat okay like aligned with me right so if the president has a vision for the nation i'm going to try to align myself so that you know, I mean like you know said, a single standing right?
1: Democratic Party. That's what he said. Yeah, he That's is the Democratic party. party. I am the <laughs> That's support, what he, you know? said. <laughs> he is the Democratic I'm Party. I'm the party, yeah. bitch.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You might as well have said it just like that. He probably would have got more votes. But yeah. uh Yeah, <laughs> so but rubber meets the road, you're damn right. Like the the president is not setting Mississippi, you know, sheriff regulations and laws. It's the sheriff in Mississippi. You know, in, in whatever city or or municipality it is. So yeah, it's it's a it's a misbag, man, and I, I'd rather fight. I'm I'm the next four years or or eight years or whatever it is or you know whatever happens with who the actual president, acting president will be, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Like, I think our 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 fortune is better now than it was, but it's crazy to me that it. It ultimately came down to fourteen thousand people in Georgia, or in, in the margins in Arizona, or the margins in Pennsylvania. You know, looking at how small they are, that I don't, I, just, I just do not understand. You still, that,
1: you know, I would, you're, st- you would still say that you're surprised at that, even after the last four years. Still, so, you still feel surprised? I'm not surprised. Okay, I just don't understand it. Okay, you
0: know, I, I can't. I can't draw that line from A to D. Okay, to get me there, I get that. Uh, yeah. I, I know it's going to happen. Like I know, I know a plane flies, right? But I don't. I don't exactly understand how the engine works. I, I get it in general. Mm-hmm. I couldn't build one, you know. I just don't. I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. It makes uh it. It makes it makes perfect sense to me. So here is the problem, as as a if you were born as a white man in American society, would you ever want to give up your privilege like and I think that is the difficult conversation that minorities don't want to have because i'm maybe maybe I'm the only one who's willing to admit it, but if I was born as a white man in America I don't know what you see is wrong with America either. I think this is a great country. What do you mean it's not fair? This country's been quite fair to me. So I don't know what you guys are complaining about. I think we should just wear courteous. when the police pull you over. Yeah, yeah, maybe when the cops pull you over, if you just said yes or no, sir, maybe if you turn down your music, stop wearing that do rag on your head, looking like a fucking threat, then you wouldn't have to worry about anything. Just be better, you know? Just be better and everything will be fine. And that's not even a new idea. I don't even know why black people are surprised no, by not. this because Booger T. Washington himself, the guy everybody's so in love with, right? we got all these schools named after him. His idea was for us to assimilate in the white society anyway. So why is this such a new and surprising idea to black America?
0: You know, It's funny you bring that up because I always thought that was a nuanced slap in the face to black America. It was. was that it was. And we
1: name all these schools after him.
0: Yeah, I was say Du Bois, he doesn't have many schools, they ain't nothing. Not Booker
1: T. Washington. <laughs> exactly. Booker T. Washington. And <laughs> on top of this, that no one talks about since we went to HBCUs, Booker T. said tons of negative things about HBCUs, even though he was educated at an HBCU, and the teachers at his Tuskegee Institute that he eventually founded were all graduates of HBCUs because white people didn't want to teach African American students. So... All the benefits that he received <laughs> over the course of his life from not only attending, but eventually founding and employing graduates of HBCUs. And he still was out here like, I don't know, man, we don't really need these HBCU things. But, Doug, your degree's from Hampton, though. But your degree's from Hampton. What are you saying to me right now? Like, I don't. <laughs> he was special. <laughs> I've never, special. I've never understood this incessant love that the African-American community has with Booker T. Washington. Was he a great leader? Absolutely. That man, I'm sure, did more than I will ever do in my life. However, his his methodology, his idea that we are supposed to quell and sequester our essential blackness in order to make ourselves more acceptable for white America is disgusting to me. Speaking of that... I sent you a video. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember
0: this? Do you remember this video? Oh,
1: no. All right. I don't.
0: Okay. All right, okay. So the video is a very short recording. It is started start of the Twitter war. Uh, we'll try to put this in the show notes and whatnot. Um, very short recording shows a uh, black business owner. He owns a restaurant. Uh, there is a group. Uh, I'm gonna oh, call them nope. the bachelorette
1: I saw, party. Nope, nope, nope. See the video. Remember the video. Oh my god, that video. Yes. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. So,
0: go. I'm gonna call them
1: the bachelorette party. So There's absolutely nothing to indicate we're their tight. We're work. tight. We're too tight on time to go into that. We can't go. Oh, into that really? Right now. We can't do that. We can't okay, go into so that right now. Episode. Yeah, we gotta hold that. We are way too tight on time to go into that. Yeah, one. you're right. We have fifty. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But yes, yes, I I know the video you're talking about. And does that go back to the first discussion that we had tonight today? That goes back to Booker T. Washington, self-hate,
0: respectability politics. That's all it's all about. You know
1: what? And I could I could see that I cannot, you know. I, yeah, we can't go into this right now. We're going to have to hit this one next time. (laughs) Right. I've got, I've got, I've got stuff on both sides of that. You know what I'm saying? But, you know, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll hit that next time. But yeah. So as promised, as promised, we discussed um, instituting some type of positive punishment um, and what that looks like in order to encourage African Americans to buy from other African-Americans. We talked about the idea of HBCUs and, right, support of those HBCUs, and is that an exclusive arena to be able to support a Black college, right? And then we closed out discussing what the next four years um, might look like under President-elect Joseph Biden. So take those ideas, expand on them yourselves. We're definitely going to post some stuff um, on both the group page and the show page, and we hope you guys um, continue to shift your paradigms, Lawrence.
0: Yeah, thank you for listening to us. And uh, like like uh, Don said, we're gonna open up a can of worms on this next one, so you gotta tune in.